These days, there aren't many people who get inside the gates at a PGA Tour event, and far fewer get inside the ropes. Players, coaches, some tournament officials, and caddies. 106? Now it feels like it's laying down. But something strange happened on Monday of the 3M Open, a strange set of circumstances that led to our own Sean Zock trekking from a small town in Wisconsin to the northern suburbs of Minneapolis to try his hand as an emergency last minute looper. So what's it like to caddy on the PGA Tour during the coronavirus? How do things look different from on the bag than they do from in the media center? Sean found out, and he's here to tell us just what he learned. I'm Dylan DeChair, and this is The Drop Zone. Sean Zock is here joining me mm-hmm. from the city of Minneapolis, where he has just finished his first week of caddying in a PGA Tour event. Sean, take me back to the start and tell me how it is that you ended up caddying in this week's PGA Tour event. We found out on Monday afternoon-ish, late afternoon, that Martin Trainer's normal caddy, Aaron Crawford, uh, is a very good player in his own right. And that's kind of been the joke all week because we were going to all of a sudden see how the caddy of a tour player would fare against the tour player. And so I texted you as you are the uh, Martin Trainer connection because you've caddied for him in the past. And I said, hey, like I'm five hours from Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. If Martin needs someone to loop for him this week, I can make the commute. I can do it. I can drive across the state of Wisconsin and be the bag man. And it was kind of a joke when I texted you, but that's exactly what happened. It's Tuesday night, it's 10 p.m., and I'm wiped, absolutely wiped out. It's been a long day. I found out like 24 hours ago that I'd be caddying on the PGA Tour for the first time for Martin Trainer, And it's not exactly good for my sleep. I didn't sleep last night really because of it. Woke up at 5 a.m. Got on the road at 5.30, uh, had about a five, five and a half hour drive over to the Twin Cities across the great state of Wisconsin. Uh, got to the testing stop. Now, this is the important thing is if you want to get inside the bubble, all caddies, players and coaches need to go through the same protocols. Got my nasal swab test, which was my first COVID test. Uh, and it's definitely uncomfortable if you haven't had one yet. It's not the it's not the most glamorous experience, but uh, it's only four seconds, right? It's four seconds of discomfort, and if you can't handle that, uh, you're not going to have any sympathy from me. Anyway, um, finally get to the course, get all my goodies, which is you know they hand you disinfecting wipes. They hand you your big lanyard. That's the important thing. They put a purple little tie around your wrist. That'll get you into the place. They give you a parking pass. So you get the exclusive parking right next to the clubhouse. It's kind of the good life. Really, the the biggest revelation is just how great the meals are inside the clubhouse. At any given point, there are basically three meals offered. Breakfast, it's like an omelet or eggs and bacon, some really great oatmeal and fresh fruit everywhere, Gatorade and everything, all the snacks on deck. So that is something I'm gonna make the most of this week. We got a good session in on the back nine. 
uh, today. So just nine holes, getting used to that big heavy tour bag, which takes a little getting used to. So the back nine, I've been told, is the tougher nine out here. We'll see if the, the numbers hold that to be true later on. But we spent the day using Martin's rangefinder, which makes my job super easy, right? Um, but I got my first look at yardage books. So they hand you a yardage book for free when you're a caddy. And I'm going to need a lot of practice, I think, on Wednesday using them. They're just a lot of numbers to look at. I mean, just looking at, I don't know, let's see, the 10th hole here. There are <clears throat> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 um, sprinkler heads. And that's only the ones that really matter. There are even more than that. It's basically every hole out here has sprinkler heads everywhere. And I think that's the ironic part is because when we play as amateurs, <laughs> we're, we're, we're always looking for a sprinkler head to step off and find our yardages. And there are a lot out here. So you got to find them. You got to deliver the number for the player. But I need practice because there are so many numbers to look at. And uh, if you're not focused, I think it's pretty easy to slip up. Um, let's get a number first. Okay. We have... 106, and now it feels like it's laying down, but it's not. Okay, 106, left to right win. You know, this uh, theoretical layup we're hitting right now is not gonna happen in the tournament, right? <laughs> Exactly. I don't know why you brought me here. I mean, I want some positivity out of you sometimes, <laughs> you know? Well, that's why I didn't say hit two approach shots. I said gotcha. one layup. So maybe a 110 shot, start it a little left of the pin and let it come back? Yeah, there's that bank there. Start it right at it. We'll take that, <laughs> 15 feet. I think less. Well done. Thank you, sir. It's Tuesday, okay. and we're walking up the 18th. Uh, what are we feeling? How are we feeling? You know, for a guy who's missed a lot of cuts in the last year, I actually feel pretty good. Okay. I think we're kind of like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here. I like it. And this course, obviously, it's a beautiful course. It's open, which helps me as a longer hitter. I can hit a lot of drivers, but I just love the bent grass, greens, and fairways. Okay. I grew up playing on that, so it feels like home. Uh, what are we doing tomorrow? Tomorrow we've got a packed day that includes a short range session, a little <laughs> chipping and putting, and nine holes. <laughs> Love it. So trainer did tell me that I'm catching him at a lucky time. Uh, he says he's hitting it much better right now than he uh, was when Dylan DeChair, my fellow caddy and co-host, caddied for Martin last year. So big ballpark here at TPC Twin Cities. Uh, some pretty long par fours. Trainer has this stinger shot that he's been working on. Uh, it's with this big, heavy two iron. Uh, he hits it pretty high when he wants to and can, can drop down to the stinger if he needs to. So if we make an eagle this week, I think it'll be because of that club. And lastly, for Tuesday night, the lesson for Wednesday, more sunscreen. Always more sunscreen. All right, folks, time for bed. Big day tomorrow.
All right, so tell me what it was like prepping as a caddy then. I mean, I know you've caddied for me, you know, in a couple U.S. Open qualifiers. Different. The Gosling's Invitational. Uh, now you're caddying in a PGA Tour event. What was this process like? Well, I mean, the stakes are a little bit higher, obviously. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of similarities, man. I mean, you look at, at the driving range, and there's 30 guys on the driving range with their caddies. And they're all trying to do the same damn thing, right? They're all trying to figure it out so that a couple days from now, they can not make bogeys. <laughs> We're closing in on the tournament starting. It's Wednesday night. Uh, I've got my nice one-bedroom Airbnb near the University of Minnesota, which is kind of like on the north side of Minneapolis. Um, if you can hear the refrigerator in the background or the traffic, uh, that's kind of where we're at. Makes me want to live alone. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yesterday, I failed to mention a couple important things, so let's rattle through those. First, why I'm here, right? Um, first off, I guess Martin Trainer is cool with me caddying for him. That's the important part. He invited me. But really, the reason I'm here is because his normal caddy, Aaron Crawford, Monday qualified. You've probably heard about this, but he shot a 63 uh, at a course nearby here. So 63, yeah. A lot of people are already making jokes online uh, about how he's going to beat his boss this week. I'm not buying it. <laughs> not with me in the bag. But to be fair, Aaron is an incredible putter. Uh, what works so well on Monday? Everything? My game is get it in play off the tee, hit the green, and sink pucks. Yep. Um, I think it kind of like frees me up a little bit too. What do you mean? Keep it that simple? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, like, too worried about, like, hitting the fairway. Like, I just have to get in play, and then, like, I just have to get it on the green from there. Yeah. I'm not, like, necessarily, like, trying to attack pins all day. Okay. Um, because I know that, like, I'm going to make up strokes on the putting. Yeah. He won the 2018 Major Series of Putting competition in Vegas. This was a revelation to me. Uh, so... Martin Trainer calls him one of the best putters he's ever seen. He's a really good green reader. He basically reads every putt for Trainer during a normal week, which makes me feel super inadequate because, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to read any putts for Martin this week. It's just I'm not used to the green speeds out here, and I think I'm a good green reader myself, but I don't really know Martin what he thinks of uh, as far as, like, you know, I don't really know what, like how Martin reads greens himself, and that's just another piece of the pie that like might be too complicated if I if I really dive into it. Um, but speaking of uh, the things I didn't mention, I got my first look at green books. Those things are freaking insane. Uh, you have to buy these things specially made for each course. I don't even really know what they go for, but I think it's like over a hundred dollars. Um, Basically, they've got the slopes of every spot on every green mapped out. You've seen these things, but the cool thing is that like when you open them up, there are four diagrams of each green, and so the, the, the green is mapped out in four different ways. Like One of the ways is just a heat map. Like It's just colors only. Um, the one next to that is uh, all numbers, numbers everywhere. The next one is numbers as well, but it's like 60% of the numbers, so it's like a little bit less fine-tuned it's 
kind of interesting to see like all these different ways in which a green can be diagrammed and caddies and players have to figure out which one works for their mind uh, and for kind of what they're talking about together. So finally, the last thing I failed to mention on Tuesday is our group, right? We are paired up with Adam Long and Siwoo Kim, which is a solid grouping. Uh, a couple of top 150 players. I think both of them are in the, like the 125 in the world range. Um, going off at 7.30 Thursday morning. So like not that long from now. Uh, the thing I'm most paranoid about right here on Wednesday evening is probably raking the bunkers, which is something that all new caddies tend to say. And it's kind of funny because it's such a simple idea wrong. Like there's actually an art to smoothing it out and the soft, like delicate touch to getting the sand in like a tour accepted state. And if you're doing it near the green, you kind of have to be careful when you're doing it because the player's gonna be putting and some of these guys are very ornery about any type of noise. And now that you don't have fans, like every noise is, is really accentuated. So hopefully we just play like Tiger at St. Andrews in 2000 and we don't hit into a single bunker all week. But that's it for Wednesday night. We've got an early wake up call tomorrow, three alarms are set. So, see you then. Go time, go time. So that was me this morning uh, en route to TPC Twin Cities. And now 15 hours later, we're here at four over 75. My first day of tournament golf caddying is in the books. Man, is it different. Ugh. Tuesday and Wednesday, it's like, it's all good. Out on the driving range, the guys are dapping each other up, kind of checking in with each other. You know, how's life been during the coronavirus for you, whatever, making jokes. Thursday morning, it gets real, like really serious. People are quiet when they're on the driving range and the putting green. Like it's, it's definitely just more intense and you don't really feel like everyone's going out of their way to check in on you. And I suppose I could have expected that. Uh, I wore pants today. Pants were a bad choice, which apparently is like a laughable thing to do as a caddy, but for one, I was not the only caddy wearing pants. I think there were two others. At first today, I was kind of on edge. Like the first four or five holes or whatever, I did not deliver a single yardage number to Martin. Like just kind of let him figure it out all on his own. And I just didn't want to get in the way. Uh, you know, the trainer was always the longest person in the group. So generally we're in the way between the other players in the group and the hole. So, that's one thing, like I had plenty of time to find yardage markers and, and pace it off and deliver the number. But all of a sudden, like if you don't do it while they're playing, all of a sudden it's go time. And, and I guess I, I can understand how it takes longer than 45 seconds if you don't have things figured out. Quickly, I think I got the hang of it, but uh, not in time to avoid uh, a pretty brutal double bogey on the third hole after two pars. 
Martin hit a very big block into someone's backyard, um, which another mistake. I thought it was a par five because that's how it plays for people out there normally, but it was a par four this week. So basically I was wrong about our score the entire day. So tiny little screw ups here and there. Uh, the absolute highlight of today though was Siwoo Kim. He is a treasure. He runs a little hot, let's just put it that way. I mean, he's two under through 15, right? Both him and Adam Long are kind of on cruise control. Long is just dialed in with his wedges. Everything is to 10 feet. Uh, and Si Woo is, is definitely kind of scraping around and still under par. 16th hole, water on the right, he hits it into the hazard. So he drops, hits it, I think short of the green, then onto the green, misses like a two footer for bogey. So he makes double bogey and he's pissed. So he's back to even par, hits a very good approach into 17, long par three. It's, you know, about a 20 foot putt. It breaks six inches when he played a foot of break. He's not happy about it. He flicks off the golf hole, grabs the ball after putting it for par, making par, mind you, putting in for par, grabs it and throws it into the lake. Then we go to 18. He overcooks his draw through the fairway left and into the, uh, the rough left. And so he's got to go over the fairway, over the water, to the, you know, over the rocks and to the green. The pin is far to the right, so it's a hell of a shot. He grabs three wood from the rough on a down slope, fans it, gets under a little bit, pops it up. It comes like 10 feet short of the, of the rock wall. So he's in the water, drops on the other side of the lake, because that's the other side of the hazard, then hits it just electric iron shot to six feet gets up there of course makes the par putt shoots even par grabs the ball throws it into the lake so uh basically siwoo kim is my new favorite player you know runs a little hot has just this sensual trajectory on all of his shots uh, he he's definitely incredibly talented uh, but fun to watch him just work through various little uh ups and downs in his career so we are four over. We're gonna need a hell of a day uh, tomorrow to make the cut, probably something like 64 or 65. So nothing to do now, but go get some dinner, get some sleep and try and dial it in tomorrow. Well, I think that it's one of these things that tour players always stress when we talk to them, but it's something else entirely to experience it. Tuesday and Wednesday, everyone is living that good life, essentially, feeling optimistic. They've got a, they've got a fresh week. They're you know living a professional athlete's dream. You wake up, you make sure your body's feeling right, you go practice your craft. And then Thursday, all that context comes in of, you know, we're at the end of the PGA Tour season. We're getting close to this playoff time. So guys that are grinding for, for status or for money to get into the playoffs, they've got to perform. A guy like Martin Trainer, who you're caddying for, who's missed, you know, maybe 29 of his last 30 cuts, something like that. Guys are really looking for something. And then caddies if they've been on the bag of someone that hasn't been playing well, man, you could really use a paycheck at this point. I, it gets, it gets different on Thursday. It, that is 100% a truth. I mean, Tuesday and Wednesday were, were kind of a breeze. I caddied nine holes each day, back nine on Tuesday, front nine on Wednesday. And all of a sudden 
Thursday got quiet. I mean, 100% less smiling. It's a focused approach. And um, it was, for me, just kind of interesting to see that light switch just come completely flip where, okay, now it counts. <laughs> now it matters. Yeah. The last two days, as fun as they were, we're all getting used to the same golf course. Boom, now we have to compete on that golf course. And it, it just got... It just got in a little more intense. All right. So how, how are you feeling personally on Thursday? Now it's game time. Is there a, you know, is there a certain added pressure on you? Is caddying simple? Is it, is it fast or slow or is there a lot going on? <laughs> right away? It's really fast. <laughs> it's really fast because what I had not done is I had not learned to be ahead of my player. I had not, mm. I, I had read your Caddy Chronicles article, which states very clearly, like, be ahead of your player, make decisions before they're ready to make decisions. But I was not walking ahead of him in the fairway. I was not grabbing golf balls before he needed golf balls. I was, uh, I was just not getting a number until he was ready to get the number with me. All those things are important for a caddy to do because at the end of the day, pace of play is important. And if you have a methodical player on your bag, like I think all of a sudden, the, like you can take two minutes to think over a shot and it can go very quickly. So that's the mm -hmm. role. That is a very baseline role that the caddy has to play is being literally 10 feet ahead of your player, both in, in, mm -hmm. in the physical form, but mentally being there, walking off, pacing the numbers before the player decides to pace them themselves. And so that's where I was not ready. There is such a rhythm to it. It's crazy, especially when you're near the green, you're always doing something. So, you know, even if your guy is putting, then maybe you've got the flag stick and if he's going to yep. finish out, then you're getting ready to hand that flag stick off to the other caddy because his guy's going to finish out last. Yep. And then you're getting ready to get your yardage on the next tee box. So it's not necessarily, you know, it's not exactly rocket science, but you're always doing something. It's so much busier than I ever would have realized. Yeah, it's not rocket science, but it's definitely not, uh, it's not something that is conveyed on TV. And it's not even mm -hmm. something that you would pay attention to if you were at the event as a fan watching outside the ropes. You, it, it's so formulaic and systematic and natural to these professional caddies mm -hmm. that it's smooth and it goes <laughs> like the sequence that I described to you is so natural to them that you don't notice it. But if you are the sixth wheel out there like I was, you notice that you're not a part of it and you need to get a part of that or you're going to start to annoy people. All right, so Martin shoots 75 on Thursday. What does it look like when a PGA Tour player shoots 75 on tour? Obviously not the round he was looking for. Um, is it, you know, is your takeaway, man, that was a sloppy round or is it, man, it's so easy to, to shoot a bad round out here because, God, it's just golf is hard. And the margins are slim. Golf is really hard and it is not as easy to make birdies as the best birdie makers make it look. Justin Thomas, I'm, I'm sure, is probably the leader this year in birdies made or birdie average. And it, it, that's just inhuman. Like the numbers he puts up are inhuman. And I know Martin Trainer is on the lower end of the PGA Tour stats right now. But it's just hard to play 18 holes and make four birdies. It's just the bottom line. Mm -hmm. To get to the point where you are 
you're going to make a six to 10 foot putt for birdie, you have to do a number of things perfectly right to get there. And that means hitting to the right side of the fairway, despite, you know, a wind or the right club choice off the tee into the right club choice into the green, uh, to a spot where there isn't a ton of break and there, you know, it's generally quite flat and, and all these things like in the same way that they matter for you and I, <laughs> we're just thrilled when we get one or two, bir- maybe not you, but for me, I'm thrilled when I get one or two birdies per round. These guys, in order to not shoot 75, they have to make three or four birdies per round. And so Martin, mm-hmm. I, I think he made two birdies on his first round, maybe three. And it's, it's one of those things where, as I was just describing, the, the correct decisions lead you to those birdies and the opposite decisions lead to, lead to way worse. Like, I'll never forget during uh, the second round on Friday, Adam Long's first approach. We're playing the 10th hole. He hits a pretty good drive. He's got kind of a check down, low striking wedge into the 10th green. The pin is short right and there's a bank to the right and then right of the bank is a hazard. He goes right over the flag stick and it goes five yards too long. It catches the bank and it goes right into the hazard. And Adam Long had absolutely golfed his ball on Thursday, but his first approach was just a little bit off on Friday. All of a sudden he's dropping and I think he made double. Like that is basically the margins because every gosh darn pin is tucked to one quadrant. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is it's just tough to get there. Like this is one of the easiest courses that the guys will play over the course of a tour season. Mm -hmm. Like that's the bottom line. And they just came from Muirfield in which Jack Nicholas tricked it up to us open standards. And so they went from that to an easy week in which you think they could take a break, take a breath, play some easy free golf. It wasn't easy, man. (laughs) There was absolutely nothing easy about it. You missed the cut, sadly. <laughs> Friday, post another 75. I think there were four birdies in there, but there were also uh, some bogeys, some some double bogeys. Uh, what does that feel like for you and for your player to miss the cut on Friday, to see other players and caddies doing that same thing you know, around the golf course, realizing that the week is over, the hope is gone for the week? Well, what was most interesting is we went out early on Thursday and then we went late on Friday. So that is kind of the perfect draw for knowing what you need to do. (laughs) You know, we shot Mm -hmm. 75. And so if you shoot 75 at the three, I'm open. Chances are you're not going to make the cut unless you shoot 65 on the other end. And so we probably had, we probably had to shoot 65 or 64 and we, we kind of knew it. And when we didn't make any birdies in the first four holes and we definitely made a bogey, we knew it was not meant to be. But as we turned from our first nine to our second nine, we crossed paths with Joseph Bramlett and his caddy and they were just coming off the driving range and they were at one under at that point and the cut line flipped from one under to two under to one under to two under the entire afternoon it was right on that line the entire time and so bramlett was definitely hitting balls on the driving range to you know either get some good mojo or just to prepare for the third round and he eventually missed the cut but the bottom line is, is that that cut line was flipping all day long. And so Adam Long, also in our group, was around the cut line the entire day. And he was grinding, grinding, grinding. He eventually made the cut on the number. But you can tell how that is this looming uh, 
it's almost like the villain in a in a horror movie. He's like ten feet behind you, and the cut line is like, you make a double bogey, and all of a sudden he's right there on top of you. And you make a birdie, and you can like get a little distance from him. But you could tell that Long was thinking about it the entire back nine or second nine of our second round, and he he made a birdie on eight, and he made a par on nine to make the cut. But that was preceded by back-to-back bogeys. And, I mean, he was absolutely livid. Like, he was pissed off, really disappointed at him. You could almost tell that his caddy was like, dude, are we really going to lose this? Because he played so well on Thursday. Like, that's the intensity that matters. Because as much as we want to pay attention to the best players in the world, like, and we talk about livelihood and we talk about how everything matters for these guys playing for millions of dollars, it really truly matters at the cut line. Like that just matters so damn much. If Martin Trainer makes this cut, you know what that does for his psyche, man? The guy that just can't make a cut right now, you know what that does for his mental game? Um, he was telling me that he, he's been uh, missed cut buddies with Russell Knox. And so they've been texting each other, you know, after each event, mm. they're both kind of struggling right now and making jokes about it to kind of you know, make it a little bit lighthearted, but also like they're both really, really cheering for each other. Like there are levels to the PGA tour even where that life is super important. Like we, we get so caught up in Tom, Tommy Fleetwood and all these guys that are phenomenal, but not that far down the list are these dudes who are a little bit less phenomenal and absolutely fighting for it. All right, Martin, we just uh, polished off 75 75 and today felt better than yesterday right i think so i think there was points at each round where i felt really good at the start of Mm -hmm. the first round there was just all that optimism Mm -hmm. and all that hope from all the work i've been doing on my swing and uh, unfortunately that sort of faded by the end but um today i actually had a bit of a revelation on the last few holes there's been this one move that's been plaguing me a little bit and it's when I do a specific thing at the top of the backswing I sort of get too deep and crouch too far backwards and my club gets a little stuck behind me and I usually hit it way to the right or sometimes flip it and go left Mm -hmm. and I sort of figured out a feel that I actually used to have last year when I was playing really well mainly in uh, Puerto Rico where I sort of get nicely into my right side and get the hands feeling like they're almost going up as high as I can at the top of the swing even as I start going down which is kind of a counter to what I just described and so I found that counter again and And you got Puerto Rico vibes yeah Puerto Rico vibes (laughs) we'll take that all right um what would you on on a uh, f through a scale grade your caddy Mm. because let's be honest the caddy wasn't reading a single green and uh was providing confirmation on numbers and was just kind of helping you i guess pull the driver when you wanted to pull the driver and getting it ready for you but um what what would we give for a grade you know i was talking about this with my uh (laughs) former caddy now playing competitor aaron and I think that there's a huge part of caddying, maybe like 90% of the pie is just doing the job correctly and being in the right spot and being attentive and mainly just being 
someone who's calm and who's having a good time out there. Mm-hmm. At least for me, those are kind of my requirements. Yeah. So if you can do that, which you did great, mm-hmm. then I think the last 10%... I, say, I think I did that. Yeah, you did that. The last part of it, the last 10% is sort of just, you know, the nitty gritty stuff, like giving, you know, your opinion on clubs and on the green and all that stuff. And you know what? I've been out here for a while. I've been playing professional golf for a long time. I don't think that's that big of a deal. It's kind of cruise control out here. Mm. Either you snap hook it in the rough or you pipe it down (laughs) the middle. There isn't much difference, but I think because of those two factors, I'm going to give you a solid A minus. Wow. I was, I was hoping for a B plus, so I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that blew me away about caddying is kind of letting you choose clubs the entire time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, by the end, had a little bit better idea of what club you're going to choose, but was still blown away at some of them because it got mm. really breezy today. Mm-hmm. And when you're downwind or it was into you, I was sometimes off in my guesses mm. by like two clubs. And I'm like, right. holy cow, I need to, like, I would need multiple tournaments of understanding kind of your shot shape and um, your thought process to really even feel comfortable suggesting clubs. Right. No, I mean, it, it's something that takes a lot of experience. And obviously, I'm not an expert, clearly. <laughs> but uh, the wind especially and the temperature and things like that, that the, that's just a kind of an equation that you need a lot of experience to understand well. All right. Well, that's a wrap from 3M Open. Time for me to get out of your rental car. Time to go get some food. I'm wondering if you had any conversations with other players or caddies that are going to stick with you. Really, my, my biggest takeaway in hindsight now is that Siwoo Kim is an incredible talent. Mm. I was not aware that he had shot 65. <laughs> I was dialed in on hoping that Martin Trainer could turn in you know a five birdie, zero bogey day, and I did not realize that Siwoo Kim shot six under. It was very windy all day long. He made a bogey, so he made seven birdies in the wind. And he's an incredible player. That's that's a top 50 player in the world. I know he's not ranked that way right now, but I think when he really reaches his potential, he's going to be a top 20 mainstay. He's, he's nasty. You heard it here first. My final question for you, Sean. When you look back at your caddying debut when you look back at the week of the 3m open what are you going to remember most fondly Mm. what's that enduring image in your mind happiness Uh, driving in driving out nope um this is going to feel like a little bit of a cop-out but i just talked about siwoo kim i really enjoyed learning the demeanor of players uh, when they're not mic'd up and when there's no boom mics nearby and there's no fans to react poorly to them. I think one of my big takeaways from your takeaways is that this whole thing, this whole PGA Tour thing, it's not quite as easy as it looks from the outside. Not as easy as it looks, and we're all playing the same damn game. I mean, I played today and couldn't do it, and I just asked my guy who I was playing with, it's like, why do we play this damn game? And he just raised his hands up. He's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, at the same level, 
like the PGA tour players can get really upset and ask themselves the same questions as us. So uh, that's golf for you. And it was, it was definitely a treat to be on the inside in the fairways, inside the ropes, even just for two days. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Sean Zach, hopefully you can get back safely to Wisconsin. We wish you had a little more of that mid cut money in your pocket, but that's going to do it for this week's episode of the drop zone expertly produced by our own Lee Finer. Thank you to Martin Trainer and to Sean Zock for making the trek from Wisconsin to Minnesota. Uh, thank you, most of all, for listening. We'll see you next week.